Hello and welcome to the Stompcast with me, Dr. Alex George. This is the podcast where I go for a walk with a guest to take a little wander into their life. This week I'm stomping with farmer, author and TV presenter, Jimmy Doherty. You'll most definitely recognise him as a host on popular shows such as Jimmy's Farm, Food Unwrapped and Jamie and Jimmy's Friday Night Feast. Jimmy has authored four books, all centred around insights into farming or cooking with locally sourced foods. His most recent book is Tales from the Farm. I'd highly recommend a read. Jimmy is passionate about animals and understanding where our food comes from. So I'm sure this episode will be an interesting insight into both Jimmy and sustainability in the food industry. Let's go for a stomp on Jimmy's farm. Welcome to the Stompcast. Jimmy, thank you so much for having us on your, well, is it a zoo or is it more of a wildlife farm well, or a zoo? Well, it's a, it's a farm. It's a farm. And the well, farm, zoo, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, the far, well, the farm started 20 odd years ago. And it's, we've, as well as the working farm, we now have mm. a wildlife park. So we have a zoo license, so we have all sorts of exotics. This is more recently that you had the license, is that right? We got it, we got it around seven odd mm. years ago, seven, nearly eight years ago. Uh, and the thing is, it's sort of naturally developed because ever since I was a kid, I've always been passionate about wildlife and I'd studied zoology and went on to read for PhD in entomology. So I've always been, hi there, I've always been interested in wildlife. And when I started the farm, it was all about working with nature, farming with nature, producing rare breed, free range meat. But I still had a collection of strange animals and it's now turned into this. It's incredible. I mean, we've, we've literally just arrived and what you've got here is absolutely beautiful. You arrive and you can see you've got the farm shop and you've got your fantastic Jimmy sign in white, which I, I guess lights up or whatever. <laughs> Hollywood I, lights I never almost. thought I'd have the name in lights. My brother built it. My it's, brother built it and fantastic. he's just like, it makes him sick. because I, I can I, see I, why he's proud of it. It's very, very cool. You arrive then, you've got the fantastic restaurant and I love you've got the, what I really love, and I, I, I mean, I've, look, I've seen you on the TV over a few years, not to say you're old, but you've been on the TV oh, no, for yeah, a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and I think it's clear, I mean, anyone that's seen you on TV can see the passion you have for uh, wildlife and animals, and particularly it feels with food and produce and knowing where they come from. It's just great to see a shop like that, a proper shop where you've got produce from the farm that you can go in and buy. I mean, yeah, and we try, a- and that's when, like, when the restaurant developed around that. So the idea is that, because lots of farm shops are around now, but the idea you can come to a farm and you can, you can eat directly on the farm, I think it's quite important. But also the, the, the whole thing with farming with nature, having the wildlife park, is to show visitors that you know, farmers are the future in terms of dealing with this climate crisis. You know, for, agriculture is often seen as the, the villain, but actually it's the farmers that are going to be the solution. Absolutely, and we're walking through um, part of right, the Right, so I took, we've, got, we've got our reindeer in here, yeah. and opposite the reindeer we've got our meerkats. Got the meerkats in here. Yeah, look, look at these little fellas. It's a bit cold for the meerkats, or do they no, mind look, the they cold? love it, look. They've oh got a little God, heater. Look at, look at the meerkats. And they've got a nice little shelter. Oh my gosh, so they can, they're so cute. They can shoot in there and have a little rest. But you see when they, they're wandering around, and you'll have a sentry. So a sentry, when they're in the wild in the savannah, yeah. his job would be to look out for any aerial predators. And any aerial predator, he'd, he'd let a, a little screech out and they'll go running. But uh, when they do get a little cold, they've got a little heater. You but can we, see him as he's standing, you can move his head so quickly. It's a bit like, like yours, Spin around, yeah, I'm getting a bit of a meerkat. There you go, I'm ready. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping an eye out for predators, guys. Yeah. Wow, they're just yeah. amazing, aren't well, they? It's, it's almost starting to snow. So should we go into the butterfly house and we go and see the lemurs? So it's a little bit warmer. Well, did you ever imagine when you started with the farm that you'd end up with what it is now? No, and I get asked that quite a lot. And and uh, no, I always had always had like um, a dream of creating something, and uh, and I, I got obsessed with rare breeds, traditional breeds of livestock. Um, but when I was a kid, when I was at the age of 
12, I got a part-time job at a wildlife park and I used to keep tropical fish and all sorts of stuff. And I remember I used to love creating like fantasy worlds. Mm. So I used to get this big bit of paper and stick all these bits of paper together. So it was a huge bit of paper and I'd draw what my zoo would look like or what my farm would look like or or I'd set up my aquarium and I'd pretend I was diving in the Amazon or I'd go into the, the neighbouring woodland that had a little river and I'd pretend I was in the Amazon and, and try and work out where my fish would live in this little stream and stuff like that. So I'd always had this vivid imagination and I, I think in some ways creating these sort of things you're almost it's creating not fancy worlds but little worlds that you could disappear into mm. uh, and, and uh, I get quite obsessed by that that concept and it's a way of um, taking yourself out of the stresses of modern life and everyday life of you know work and everything else and you can disappear into mm. into a, a fancy world. Mm. Uh, my role is so much about trying to look at ways we can improve mental health for young people. How how much do you think or how much value could there be in just actually looking around as looking at the natural world looking at farms and in Ma helping young massive, people's mental massive, health? Massive. There's a, there's a whole um, situation where you get care farming today, where you have people that have, have mental health problems and they spend the time working on a farm. But you don't you don't all have to do that. But it's the simple thing of taking time and watching nature. So sometimes in the morning, like early Saturday, uh, it'd be a sunny morning, a cup of tea, and sit down and just watch the birds or listen to nature. It's only five minutes, it just gives you time to collect your thoughts. It's really important. And, it, and that's why I think fishermen are always quite relaxed. Because I don't think it's about catching the fish, it's just about watching the float in the water. And, it, and it, it's the stillness and you are in the moment as opposed to getting a phone and flicking through it and not engaging with what's around you. It's that point is that you're kind of, you're focused now rather than like looking up and seeing and maybe having the morning where you have your coffee and sit and look yeah. outside. Your coffee phone, coffee phone, phone yeah, phone coffee yeah. is like yeah. your attention isn't allowed to reach that far. Is Com it completely, it's all encompassing. When, when you watch nature, if you look into like if you walk through the, the the woodland, and you spend five minutes in the woodland, you start to work out what's going on. You hear the blue tits calling out, and this time of year they're starting to get their territories, and you become part of that environment. And it's so much more than just yourself. Uh, you become part, you're also watching a play. Mm. If I, when I, that's why I was obsessed with having fish tanks as a kid. It's much better than watching EastEnders or anything yeah, else. Yeah, I could yeah, sit yeah, and watch yeah. the guppies and the, and the Danios all zooming around someone's radio on the go there. That's the thing about this place, there's always something. Yeah. You are going to hear sounds, by the way, guys, because we are on a farm. We've yep. got loads of people around here, we've got young people. We've also got, you're going to hear a lot of animals. A lot of animals, well, and, sure. and, and also we're very close to Ipswich, so you, you'll hear the train. The, on the way to Liverpool Street Station. I always think that's really funny because you see commuters come past and they see pigs and cows and then they see a zebra. <laughs> and they're like, what? <laughs> what the hell? You are, you are a bit confused about Now your glass is going to steam up now. Oh, that's all right. It's like whenever you go to a coffee shop. You're wandering through, oh wow. So coming into a very, gosh, it's much warmer. It's hey then, guys. Walked into a much warmer environment, like a greenhouse really, isn't so it? So this is one of my fancy worlds. This is the tropical butterfly house, and butterfly numbers are quite low at the moment. They've got lots of eggs, lots of caterpillars, but lots of adults will be emerging. And one of the first jobs I got as a, as a youngster was working in a tropical butterfly house. So I've always wanted to create my own. And, and now, obviously, it's open to the public, which is great, but in some ways, it's a shame for me, because I'd love to just have this for myself. Your safe space, here. private space. And you just sit and watch nature. Gosh, you know, it's, it's, it almost feels like you've created, like you, you had this imagination as a child. You've kind of created your dr like dream, not yeah. world, like that sounds 
fantasy almost, but it's. it's but I've, I've found that as a, as a kid, all these sort of, as children, we're all, you know, we're all obsessed with nature, and somehow you've got to put it away as you get older. But I've found it absolutely vital in terms of keeping my sanity with running a business and having a family and all the stresses and strains that you find in modern life. Having a, a, a verdant space you can retreat to is, is amazing. And I think that's so important, the, the being amongst nature um, for your mental health. And that's why the whole, the lockdown when we had COVID, having one hour's exercise a day, all of a sudden people realized how important that was just to get out and walk the dog in the park. You know, we take it all for granted. Yeah. Well, I had Richmond Park while well, I was working in A&E, but when I was off or whatever in the evening or mornings, I had Richmond Park there. And I honestly, I say, I don't know if I hadn't had that walk in that park each day, I think I'd have, I don't know, what, I don't know where I'd yeah. be. I'd, yeah. I'd have, I don't know if I'd have survived it. it. It showed how much we, not how much of a luxury nature is, we need nature in our lives. Completely. As soon as you see, as soon as humans get removed from their connection with the world, you see the kind of climate anxiety, but also you see people who just develop this like, lack of almost unease in the world like people who feel that they have some sense of connection with the environment whether it is a park in a city or something it makes you happier and calmer and yeah. just more connected doesn't it yeah we all belong to nature we're all part of it somehow that we're disconnected it's like a food system the more disconnected we come from it and the idea that the food system's separate to nature as well is uh, i find it a really bizarre thing and the, and the further we get from our food the more unhealthy we become as a society. Well, I spoke to Adam Hansen about this. We visited his farm and I, and he was talking about how, um, you know, it's really important we understand where the food comes from. And I, younger, and I was saying, like, you know, to be honest, I think a lot of younger generations, and through no fault of their own, because I don't think we show them or teach them, they don't really understand where the food no. comes from. You, you kind of get this dissociated effect of, like, you see the packet of this packet of meat or this lovely picture of, like, fish fingers or whatever that you're going to go and eat but you don't really know where that comes from you don't know where that no. you make that and, mental and, and, connection. and also the, the other problem with that is that all we see is the price of the food and we don't understand the value of it That's the, a very the, good the, the value it has in sustaining us mm. the the role farming plays is, is, is keeping all society fed and that's a real problem because if we don't value food we waste it and food waste is a massive issue. And the idea of going, oh, well, it's only a bit of chicken, chuck it away, I don't care. Sell by that, chuck it away. And it's like, no, 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 this is the most precious thing. It's only when you start to produce food and grow food and know what it takes, not only in terms of the time, but the resources and the energy. And, and when I grow something, I don't, it could be tomatoes, courgettes, whatever, and I've, I've watered it, I've grown it and nurtured it, and I pick it, and I go, I don't want to waste any of it. You know, and, and that's because you see the real value of it, not just the you price. You care about it, don't you? I mean, I, I remember when I was, just, when you say that and you're talking about this environment we're standing in here. I remember as a child that we had, you know, I grew up in West Wales. We had a, a, a cottage with a small bit of land, but I really wanted to do gardening. I really wanted to grow. And I got really obsessed with tomatoes. And I had to, we had this really small little greenhouse and I had like five different tomato kind of species of tomatoes in there. And I nurtured them and nurtured them. I was so excited. They were nearly ripe. And anyway, I went away for the weekend with my parents just to the, to the caravan we had. That's where we went on holiday, just the caravan by the beach. And we came back on the Monday after asking a neighbour to just water them. And they'd forgotten all weekend, it had been a particularly hot one, and all of them were gone. I was absolutely devastated. And you realise, if you kind of have a little bit of that care towards that, to me it was such a waste. Yeah. I put everything into it, all the watering, it, it, all the effort, the beautiful if, if, if tomatoes. If people cared so much about food as they do, maybe getting the perfectly white trainers a bit dirty. Mm. Uh, you know, the idea of going, what, the, what we really give value to. I think you fall in love with nature again, you're kind of obsessed with it. I'm just watching these two ladies coming to the buffer house. 
hear that excitement? Yeah. You see, that's what I love, is watching them come in, and you, I, yeah, they've come into the Bubble House, they're transported into another world, yeah. it's hot, it's sticky, it's tropical, yeah. they've seen the lemurs, and you can hear all the excitement, yeah. and that's what's so important, just, people when you engaging with nature. Abby and I came up the drive into the, um, and when, if, whether people have been or not, or are they going to come after hopefully hearing this, I mean, when you come down, the drive and you're coming into the, the, the farm on the right you know you're seeing the camels you're immediately smiling you're like yeah. this is amazing you walk <laughs> and you you just feel happier like I'm already happy I mean look at the size of that one there's a butterfly look at the yeah. size of that one that's a huge that's one, a great there. moment that's so a that's a, uh, a swallowtail species from Southeast Asia it's beautiful and we've got some owl butterflies in here yeah big as dinner plates but, um, but let's go let's go and so see the leaves and that's the thing it just nature just it's so powerful for your mental health it really is look at that, sat there this now. butterfly that's from the Amazon, uh, uh, South America's uh, species called Morphopalides. And the interesting thing about Beautiful that is, the, is, the, is the, the iridescent blues, the, the, the light diffracted mm. structural pigment. Got some nice figs growing on here, look. We come in, we give those to the lemurs. Come I through tell here. you what, it was nicely warm in there for a moment. It's still, I thought we'd made it through the kind of wintry period on the Stompcast, but we have, it's no, now it's, snow. We've gone through one side, it was raining, and the other side of here, it's, it's like Narnia. <laughs> you come out the other side of Narnia and it's now snowing. What it's, is going it's on? It's literally four seasons in one day, yes. right. Oh, well, they've unlocked it already, brilliant. So there's a bit of an airlock in here, and the key thing is, oh, you got the keys? Oh, well done, love. Perfect. It is so, fully snowing now, guys. We'll go in in sections, okay? So we'll go in and we've got to close one door and then go in the other. Yeah. Wicked. So if we come in first. Yeah. So this is called a, Medi it's a Mediterranean kind of dryer in here, isn't it? Much drier than next Yeah, door. so we don't, we don't uh, overly heat this bit. No. So this is the indoor enclosure for the ringtail lemurs. And we've got a massive outdoor enclosure. And all, everything we try and do here is so we give animals space. Mm. Um, but usually when you see indoor enclosures in wildlife parks and zoos, it's just straw or, but we just have it. So it's like still banana trees and, and it's bamboos. And it's a reflecting all the environment. Yeah. Come on, let's go and see if we can coax them over. Come on then, let's go. Absolutely excited. She's got the camera ready. And you guys will have to, obviously we, you hear the audio, but to see all the photos and stuff, you'd have to head to the socials, head to uh, Jimmy's farm page and also uh, obviously on the Stompcast page as well. Come on. Oh my gosh, there they are. See, they're all sitting <laughs> under the heat lamp. You what, see the, what's, what is that? What species are these? These are ringtail lemurs. So all the lemurs from lemurs. Uh, uh, Madagascar. But you see, so all of a sudden we're in you, Madagascar, guys. We actually are in Madagascar. If you if you engage on animals like this now, all you think about is the animals. You don't think about anything else. No, you don't so think true. about oh, I've got to go and sort that out. I've got to yeah. fix that leak or whatever. You're just yeah. watching these guys. Do you find even though, I mean, this is you know what you've built is, is a huge, it's a big business as well as anything else. I mean, is it? It, do you feel when you come to this, do you really forget about everything else? You've got so many, I've seen so much staff around here, you've got to look after your you staff. Do. So we have these 45 full time and it goes up to about 100 and, to someone, 109. 109? Um, wow. Yeah, and that is the thing, is to remember what you started it for. These are amazing. That's quite a big one, chap. These, these, <laughs> they've got some good that. teeth, mind, haven't they? It's like gobstoppers, yeah, but they're absolutely amazing. Rolo will get, my dog will get jealous. See, this is all you're thinking about now, isn't it? Oh my gosh, their eyes are so beautiful. How cool is it? Every, if you, every time you got stressed, you could have half an hour with some lemurs. <laughs> Honestly, you'd, oh, look at that. Things out your hand. And we've got a rough lemur in here. And Guys, right, so I'm, I'm feeding the lemurs right now, and they are literally grabbing. One's on my shoulder, carnage. There you go. Look, he's saying, give it here, Alex. Got one on my shoulder, and he's saying, hand over the grapes. Oh, you get a load on the shoulder. Look, look, look. He's yeah. saying, look. Come on, chaps. They'll get a bit jealous. have got a big shoulder. Come on, then. Let him too. Are you seeing this, Abs? You want a lemur on your shoulder, don't you? <laughs> Here you go. Oh, have you finished yours? Go on then. Have another one. There you go. My God. It'll be coming after you. Just shows you how amazing nature is. <laughs> look, 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 saying, get over here with that. God. 
we just yeah you look around all you have to do is look around you and see how amazing and insane wildlife is nature is incredible isn't it these beautiful chaps you guys aren't worried about different things are you just when the next grape's coming but i often wonder if animals you know they they, they have the same sort of stresses and strains more. that we do in terms yeah, of i'm gonna get you another one now their worries tend to be now. just about finding a mate not getting eaten in yeah. the wild, you know, they don't have the sort of quite, quite important. Yeah, yeah, but they don't have the sort of the stresses that we, I, I suppose. Well, it's do. almost, I guess, that we, we, I mean, as humans, the whole point of our brain and the kind of the negative mindset of the brain is actually protective mindset, isn't it? And of course, now that we, in certain parts of the world, we're fortunate enough not to maybe worry about immediate threats of danger and uh, you know meals coming. Although I'm very aware that we're in a difficult spot at the moment for many, but I think for a lot of people. We don't worry about that day to day or meal to meal, do we? And so no. that, that allows that allows your brain to focus on other things that become stressed and anxious. Yeah, and you'd say that social media, you're bombarded by saying, well, am I am I uh, toned enough? Am I have I got the right clothes on and blah blah blah. But when you're <laughs> when when you're dealing with life or death, you know, in the worries of finding a mate, everything else is gravy. Yeah. Isn't yeah. it? Yeah, everything else comes into perspective and things, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, have, have a Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. So we're gonna. We'll, after this, we go up and we'll head up towards see the uh, zebra. We we'll see some of the cows. Yeah. But look, he's, get, look at, he's going up. Give me, give me the grape. Give me the grape. Give me the grape. What? what is, this is putting you on, just on the spot, I guess. So do you have a favourite animal on the? In it's the park, it's really it? difficult because these lemurs can understand every word I'm saying. So it's obviously the lemurs. It's got to be the lemurs. Uh, if yeah. you had a second favourite. I'll tell you that when we get to the monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it'll be the Don't same with the pigs uh, they will and remember. the cows. Yeah, yes, indeed, because we'll be back here tomorrow. And yeah, so I'm, 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 I'm hogging all the grapes. Oh, no. I get to do this all the time. You don't get to do this. It is literally amazing, isn't it? I do just think, you know, for so many kids growing up, I just wish more, we could get more young people to experience things like this. I mean, you must see so many young people coming here. Do you, do you see the difference that it makes, just spending a bit of time. Oh God, yeah, completely. So for example, we have uh, organized school visits here and education trips and uh, we, we show them, you know, what it takes to produce pigs and then what you do to make sausages and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, which I'll show you later in our woodland, we have simple stuff like just getting out and about, yeah. you know, getting your, your, your knees green with grass and we even do fishing. So the idea of getting amongst nature and, and what it means to the kids is it's like, it's like giving a little bit of magic. You, you know, once you've been given power, so if you look at clouds, for example, suddenly go, I can tell it's going to rain by looking at that cumulus nimbus and I think it's going to... If you give that to a kid, it's like giving them a magic power yeah. or going, you know, get this little stick and you wiggle it on a spider web and watch the spider come out and it's doing it because of the vibrations of the stick that the spider thinks is a fly. All of a sudden, the kid thinks it can control spiders, which that interaction with nature is amazing. And that's, that's what it's all about. Mm. And have you seen that? Because you've got four daughters, is that right? I've got four daughters, yeah. And have you seen, for them, have you seen them become connected? As, I guess in growing up in this environment, are they kind of similar to you with their passion for nature as well? Yes, uh, and they want every pet under the sun. It drives me mad. <laughs> is, it, is this, originally you wanted to start with just a simple farm. That's why you've been up with the it's it, Yeah, it is. And I, uh, the thing about Dad, it... Dad, can we have an elephant, with, please? Yes, well, it, is, it is like that. But it's having the, having the kids and watching them have the wonder of nature uh, is, is, is great because you see yourself in it so much. Mm. The idea of going, yeah, that's what I got excited about. What you've got to be careful of and, and is not to push them into the kind of stuff that you wanted to do. The idea of going, come on. Because it's your passion. Doesn't yeah, it? it's and, and, and that's always a difficult thing. So uh, yeah, they, they come here all the time and they, they love it, but it is a, 
It's a difficult thing with kids because you, you really don't want to, you want them to like the stuff that you want, mm. that you, you like as a kid, but at the mm. same time, you don't want to force them into that. Mm. And that's a really easy thing to do. Mm. And you, you know, you see so many parents, you know, forcing their sons into football in case they don't. And I, you know, I hated football at school because of that sort of reason, you know. Okay, you've got to play football. It's like, oh, no, I don't want to. Yeah, don't do I'd that. I'd rather go and catch grasshoppers. Yeah. Do you remember, because you said that about 12 years old, you can remember drawing and imagining this in many ways. Do you remember what, was there a moment of like, wow, this, this is really important to me, nature? Because you kind of, you followed a really interesting path and it's always felt like it's quite connected yeah. to nature, even there in the time, you're, you're in the military for a period of time. Well, I was I in the, um, the Territorial Army for five years when I was at, um, at uni. But the thing is, is that I, I either wanted to go into the military or, mm. or study zoology. And, and it, all, it was all based out of being in the outdoors. And, uh, but the love of nature and wildlife took over and I went into academia, but I do remember in, in my laboratory at Coventry University in the basement. And I'd always Apart loved- nature. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was counting flies, uh, identifying flies. And, and, and when I say counting flies, they, fly, they weren't flying around my head. They're all in, they're all in the- You just hadn't showered, you were in the basement, hadn't showered for three weeks. Yeah. So. They're all in the test tube. And I was identifying all these flies. And September 11th happened. And I remember thinking, God, you know, do I really want to do this? And academia had really turned the colour of nature just into sort of numbers and, 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 and testing theories and statistical analysis. Uh, and then I thought, actually, when I used to keep chickens as a kid, I loved that feeling of picking a warm egg up. And the idea of going rare breeds, producing food, that's really where I want to be. And so I decided to change at that point. Because I remember thinking, I, I visited the, the Twin Towers. I remember a sushi chef working away up there. And I thought, he's gone. And he might have had dreams to do things. And, and I'd, you'd never want to be in that situation. And I thought, well, actually, if I'd, what's worse? Trying something, going to fulfill your dreams and failing or never trying at all. It's always bad as a give it a go, isn't it? Give it a go, what's get, the worst that can happen? It's very true. I mean, gosh, this big of 20, I, you always remember that certain moments in life, don't you? And I was, I was still young then, but I remember being on, I was at primary school, I think I was year five. I was sat on the bus and the bus driver turned the, radio up and said everyone be quiet you must listen to this and obviously we heard what was going on I remember getting home and that kind of fear of like what's going to happen with the world yeah. and everything that was happening it was a really scary time but again it's those moments and I guess similarly to things like what's happened in Ukraine and Russia that fundamentally you're quite reminded that you're really part of this world yeah yeah and like every part of that aren't you and it's I think when well, we, we when so further we forget that and lose that connection with other people and the world. And that's why I love trouble. That, and that's why I love farming so much and being amongst nature because it doesn't matter how bad it gets. I even think about my dad dying, and you think, oh god, I can't believe all this. You go outside, and the pigs still need feeding, the cattle still need feeding. Life the, goes on. The flowers are going to still mm. come out. Mm. You know, the butterflies are still out, mm. uh, and that life goes on. And there's something wonderful about that, and something yeah. very comforting about nature. It carries on, it carries on, and you're, you're part of it, and you've got to go along on that flow. You, you can't just isolate yourself and, and be, you know, um, full of worry, because life does, it doesn't matter how hard it gets. Yeah. Doesn't even, like, if, you, if you put a whole load of concrete down, eventually, a seedling will take a foot a foothold and, and it'll start coming through the cracks and muscles start growing you know life comes yeah. back it's so true and I, I you know we've all we, everyone listening to this will relate to we've all had difficult hard times and, I, and i've said it in some of the most difficult times that i'm so grateful that each day the sun goes down and each day it comes up again and even on the hardest times life carries on and it sounds in some ways you think oh god the world's brutal it's horrible it doesn't you know it just doesn't care but in in many ways that that sense of 
life always being present and continuing yeah, yeah. no matter what is actually what gives you comfort in the hardest times yeah. because you realize no matter how bad things are life will go on yeah, and we're yeah. not forever in the moment we're in and i think actually that if you can tap into that i guess with nature is a perfect example i mean look at the you have forest fires everything's burned everything's yeah. destroyed but from that forest fire the green comes through completely that whole you know nature red and tooth and claw and all the all the and and you see the brutality of nature life and death you know not many animals die of old age that's for sure they get killed by something um but at the same time if you watch a little a female earwig nurturing her eggs and you think god what what empathy she has for the next generation and you'd never think of that of something like a little earwig so at the same time you think it's 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 life and death there's, there's still so much love and nurturing in nature as well so it's uh, there's a real dichotomy there but i do find great comfort and being in the outdoors because there is this constant cycle and and what's really important is it puts you in your place it, it, and and i think whenever you go into i always say this whenever you go into a desert or you go into an immense space like a a cave system or you you look across a vast open ocean it, it, it makes you feel minuscule and that's really important because it's almost like you say actually you're all part of this but you're you're not you're, you're not too you're too big for your beats don't get too big for your beats and i always think we should put politicians in these big vast spaces <laughs> to make them feel <laughs> yeah. to make them feel that you know their, their scale <laughs> when it comes to well, the, well, the well, the as world. we started i said look uh, you said we're gonna go and feed some animals i said funny enough i'm scared of um i'm scared of a few animals i'm scared of very weary of horses because when i was younger i kind of a stallion basically squished me a little bit against a fence and I was, I've always had that fear and I said you can really respect something and still have fear of it. Another environment you think of and go wow you realise how we're literally you know, fish out of water almost is when you get into the sea and you think yeah. about things like sharks and yeah, yeah. stuff like that. You, you can think as we're as powerful as you have all this power the social media, we have all this power, this technology, you get in the ocean with a great white shark yeah, and yeah. you're not the boss anymore. No. And I think there's something amazing about just reminding yourself that you are not invincible. Or, Do you know, you know I always think it's a funny one because I always, if you're in the ocean you always think of what it's what it's seeing and it's just seeing your legs dangling in the water that's all i think of and even when I, yeah. i've been diving and i've been diving with sharks and when you're down and you can see them it's it's all right it's only when you're getting back up in the boat and you're taking your, your kit off and you're thinking oh god my legs are just yeah. dangling here you know this this yeah. primeval fear comes in but it's, it's good should we go it's good to have that should we go and feed it's some monkeys i don't know if it's still raining did you just say monkeys? Monkeys? Let's go and feed some monkeys. <laughs> well, as we're on the way to the monkeys, we're going to call end to part one here. So thank you guys for, for listening. I know you've enjoyed so far. And we'll see you for part two. We're going to dig in a little bit of how you ended up in this situation. Because you have done so much. There's been quite a very, you had a varied life, I think that's fair to say. There's been clear uh, threads that we can, we, can, we can see. But very, very interesting life. So let's catch up in part two. See you guys soon. <laughs>